What you're about to hear is a conversation that I have with Tucker Holloway. I asked his father, Brody Holloway, to also be part of this conversation. I went all the way to the Podunk Hills of Andrews, North Carolina, to meet with them in person. And man, we just had a great time. We sat down with some good coffee and we just chopped it up. For those of you who don't know Tucker, a.k.a. Tuck, he's a young man who is serious about his faith in Christ, and he strives to honor God in all that he does. And as a result, God has shown great favor upon his young life. Tuck plays football at Virginia Tech, and this past season, he broke a school record and received the honor of making all ACC. We talk about his spiritual development, being raised in the environment of a Christian camp, the importance of work ethic, what it means to be all in, God's sovereignty, overcoming obstacles, and what it's like to run out on the field to Metallica's inner Sandman in front of 66,000 screaming Hokie fans who are thirsty for you to do battle. This is some good, 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 grade A, grass-fed meat to chew on my brothers so grab yourself a hot cup of coffee sit back buckle up because here we go time it is you're listening to the grizz podcast it's gonna be raw it's gonna be real and it's gonna be relevant we're here to guide encourage and equip you to live the manly life that god is calling you to live it's time for you to step up and man up that's what god expects and that's what this jacked up world desperately needs now here's our host jason george I am at one of my favorite places on the planet. I am at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. I'm here with my good friend Brody Holloway and his son Tuck Holloway. And uh, hey, guys, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate yeah, man. you having us. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little colder here than the low country. <laughs> it's going to get real cold. It's going to be like seven degrees the rest of the week. I woke up this morning and it was 20 degrees and I was like, my gosh. Like, it's where I'm at in South Carolina. That's just, it doesn't happen. That's Arctic weather. <laughs> so, uh, so, what's going on, man? What's the latest down here? What's exciting? You guys are on Christmas break. Um, what are you going to be doing? We're, well, it's good having Tuck home. You know, he hasn't been home. He, he early enrolled. Uh, I know we'll get into that. He early enrolled last January. So, <clears throat> you know, a couple of short two, three-day breaks maybe two of those over the last year. Mm-hmm. So he's home now. And yeah, so we're going to go 
we're going to go camp. We do an annual trip the week before Christmas, and we camp on uh, on this mountain property. It's private, but the guy lets us camp, and he camps with us, actually. It's going to be single digits at night. We're going to camp and hunt. Oh, really? What are you hunting? Uh, deer and hog. Oh, sweet. Mainly, mainly white-tailed deer. Cool. But occasionally, we'll kill a hog down there. Are you in, like, a uh, a canvas tent, like when you say No. No, we don't sleep in a tent. No? Mm-mm. Under the stars. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the mm-hmm. fire? Mm-hmm. Nope. That's all you need? Okay. It's going to be cold, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. Cool, man. How far do you usually hike in when you're deer hunting that kind of environment? Is it miles like get in there? Sometimes. Depends. Yeah. Definitely can be. That one last year that we, the river was up and we couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got a tuck killed one. The log. Tuck shot a, a deer. I mean, it was probably a mile, a mile of walking. I was, I was probably three quarters of a mile from him. I walked to him. We broke the animal down and put it. We pack it out. We we break it down. Yeah. We don't field dress it and drag it. We 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 take all the meat off the animal, put it in packs. Like quarter it and all that, like yeah, yeah, debone it, quarter, yeah. quarter it. We debone the rear quarters, and then yeah, well, we, I mean, we walked probably three another three quarters of a mile, maybe a mile, and then yeah, we had to cross a river <laughs> that was real high. So we're on, a, we found a foot log. <laughs> will you get back <laughs> to camp? Will you get back to camp and uh, have some steak that night? We didn't that night, but we're going to this week. We already got some stuff killed and ready. To, we're going to eat. Every every night in camp this week we'll be eating fresh meat. That's awesome, man. Cool. I would guess you're not getting as much hunting as you usually get. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, but this trip, like you said, we we've done it almost every year since I was a little boy. So being able to do this is going to be nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for those of you listening that don't know, Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, where they live, um, they're in Andrews, North Carolina, but they're right by. Uh, the Smoky Mountains and Nanahala. Am I saying it right? Yep. Nanahala National Forest. And there's big white water here. There's big mountains. There's good mountain biking. What else are people coming here for? Fly fishing. Cool. Yeah, t- I've got a, I got a picture of Tuck wet wading on opening day. Wet wading means he's he's fishing. He's wading a creek with a fly rod. He was probably nine years old. And opening day is the first Saturday in April. Mm. So it was probably 45 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big fly fish, fishing destination. That's awesome, man. Well, Tuck, you had an unusual experience compared to most kids, the way you grew up. You uh, didn't grow up in a neighborhood. You grew up here at a Christian camp. Uh, Christian ministry. I mean, there's a church kind of that meets on the property. There's conferences, retreats almost every weekend. In the summer, this place is just swarming with teenagers, man. And tell us about that. Like, do you feel like that was, you're thankful for that? That was a good environment? Mm -hmm. Or do you feel like, I don't know, you wish it was something else? Um, Just like anything, I think it has pros and cons. Um, But I I know that it definitely has more pros than cons. I feel like 
growing up in an environment like this, there's not many places where there's a community of believers mm. that is as strong as, as it is here. Um, and that, that uh, grew me to understand and appreciate a community like that. Um, yeah, because usually that's all you knew. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. that was all I knew was was godly Christian community surrounded by it twenty four seven pretty mm-hmm. much, um, and so that became something that was completely integral to my my walk with the Lord and my and my faith uh, my faith journey. And I think that in the same way as a as a, a college age student now, it um, it's something that I depend on. I think because I grew up in such a godly community and such a good community, um, it's something that now I I, I need mm. to 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 be pursuing the Lord and be walking with the Lord. Um, obviously, my pursuit of Him is 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 first, and it, it it's its own thing. But at the same time, I know that for me personally, my walk with the Lord, especially being at um, a secular college, is the community and the people I surround myself with. And I think that that comes back to where I come from, mm. um, just having this community. I don't, I don't feel like there's anywhere else on the planet that, that has this type of community as, as, as there is here in Andrews and at Snowbird. Um, and growing up, growing up, just, just being surrounded by that, it definitely, um, it definitely was the Lord's will for, for my life. Um, just being, being in the sense of what I do now and, and how he's prepared me for it. I think that this community here at Snowbird is, is, probably the main reason that I am the person I am today mm. um, aside from all the other factors you know mm-hmm. that's cool to hear you say that you know I respect your dad man your dad's definitely an incredible dad a man mm-hmm. that's trying to be strong live for the Lord but you had not just him there were many male role models influences yep. that I feel like had something of ever happened to your dad there were guys that were like there was nothing that would happen to Tuck. Yeah. We got, and I'm not just talking about financial provision, but would have been like, we will watch out for him and guide him in the way he should go. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. It just seems like that environment here, man. It's mm-hmm. like tremendous, dude. Yeah, I keep a, I keep a little list, and I, I definitely need to update it. But it's just a list of, of godly men who have, in some way or some, some form, poured into my life and, and at least affected the man that I am. Yeah. Um, and it, that list could get, I mean, it could go on for, yep. for, for I feel like there's some here that were definitely like shape and tuck with theology stuff and maybe like the heart of the gospel and Christian life. But then there's these other guys that I, I know your dad was taking you to down at the hunting shop that are just as much teaching you man things, mm-hmm. may not be about theology, but here's what you do with your gun. Here's how we hunt this. Here's yep. how we fish. Here's That's how right. we, um, Here's how we take care of ourselves. Here's how we hold ourselves. Um, am I right with that? 100%. Yeah, yep. That's what I thought. Very true. Mm. And that's just good. I don't know if a lot of dads are getting that. Sometimes they think mm. that they've got to be the one-man show, that I've got to know how to be the pastor in my home, teach my son theology, teach him how to guard against things that will bring him down sexually. i got to teach my son about guns and hunting. i got to teach my son how to take care of the house and be a handyman. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if any guy – is the whole package yep. and can do that. So the more a dad can try to find these other guys to make like a tribe, like, mm-hmm. hey, influence Tuck. Take That's Tuck right. away. Let Tuck go do stuff with you. I don't care. That's mm-hmm. right. It's good, man. So you got any thoughts on that, Brody? No, I think, uh, yeah, just to support or reiterate that one, 
<clears throat> from the time Tuck was real little, I was praying that God would bring men into his life that would that would speak into his life in a way that it would be supportive of what I felt conviction about how to raise him. But also that I was, I would challenge dads, don't be threatened by that. Be comfortable with other dudes that your son might look mm. up to. I was cool with my son looking up to other dudes as long as they love the Lord. And and even if they weren't, I mean, there's guys, all truth is God's truth. So if there are men that embrace things like work ethic, strength in other areas, mm. I want him to learn from that, you know, and, and, you know, there, I could tell stories. I could tell a lot of stories, and maybe we will tell some of these, but where Tuck at a young age was embracing man, a man's responsibility. You know, like, aside from when he was, you know, when he's 12 years old, I had him running a chainsaw, cutting firewood, you know, mm-hmm. to heat the house mm-hmm. and do his part. But also, you know, I remember when he was a freshman in high school, and maybe a sophomore, he was 14, 15, and, he's, and there was a conflict with the dad of another of a teammate in high school, and I said, "You need to you need to call this man and, and address this." And re- where most dads, I think, would jump in and go deal with it, or not deal with it at all, it was, uh, it was an opportunity for Tuck to learn how to have a face to face confrontation in a and but to, but to take care of your business, not like to bow up like I'm gonna fight you, but mm-hmm. hey, man, we got a problem here. We need to address it. And it was crazy because I. I, I stood back and watched it happen, and Tuck wanted to confront an issue that this you know, this forty five year old dad of a teenager wouldn't have, he 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 didn't want to have any he just wanted to walk away from it. So at a young age, I think Tuck was seeing men he 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 learned things like conflict resolution, how do you deal with your business, how do you take care, how do you address issues. So every facet of life, different men, I think he got to see her strength in numbers. And there's so many godly dudes in our church and in this ministry that, yeah, I'm just really thankful for the way God shaped him from different different experiences and influences. That's good. What uh, when you get to a point where you're growing up and you're like, okay, I'm around this Christian environment, the gospel, I'm hearing it, but there had to come a point where you're like, this is going to be my faith. Yeah. I'm going to make it my own. It's not mom's faith, dad's faith. It's not the camp's faith, especially as you're thinking, like, I'm going to leave home. Mm-hmm. Um, was uh, was there some kind of turning point, something that did it for you, where you're like, I'm all in? Mm-hmm. So, Yep. Um, there was a point my freshman year, um, and I got saved at a, a pretty young age, and I know that, that I, I was saved. It was, it was cool. true faith. Um, but obviously, at a young age, you know, there's very little knowledge. And I grew up. Um, and surrounded by so many good things, so many good people that I really didn't experience trial in my own walk with the Lord and, and, and my faith until um, late middle school and early freshman year. Um, I think that's when, you know, a lot of young men try to find who they are, find their identity, and uh, whether that's in the Lord or in, in, in the wrong things, that's usually when that's sort of forming. Um, going into my freshman year, um, I, I was starting to find my identity in a lot of the wrong things. Um, just being an, being an athlete, trying to find my identity and, and things, um, that were not going to give me satisfaction at the end of the day and, and were not going to give me, um, you know, uh, just a peace. And, 
and I started to find it in sports and, and my relationships, whether that was with um, my friends and how they viewed me or whether that was with girls. Um, and, and just those three things slowly drug, drug me down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could, I could start to feel it. And it wasn't a really long period. Mm-hmm. That's what's kind of crazy. It was really just over the first semester of my freshman year. Yeah. Um, I think my parents could see it, and I was just struggling. And it got to a point where my, my, my parents finally, they confronted me, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, and Your mama confronted you. Yeah, she did. Ooh. She did. That's the and worst. That's way, that's way worse than my dad. Yeah. In all honesty, I, <laughs> as much as I fear and love my dad, um, yeah, my mom confronts me. I know yeah. that there's something wrong. I think that's um, an important principle, too, that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times mamas, mamas get in the way of dads doing their job. And I know not a lot of women listen to this podcast, but maybe a husband would, would want his wife to listen to this portion of it. The strength of a mama who's firm and strong and wants her son to become a man, mm. that empowers yep. as much as anything. My mm. wife, Tuck's mom, she's a strong woman. She's yep. independent. She's strong. She's tough. That. And she, that's critical because yeah. I mm-hmm. feel like so many women disable their son's maturation or they enable them to to have a prolonged adolescence because they, they, they selfishly draw from they, they, it makes them feel better to be babying this kid, mm-hmm. and she was she's a loving, nurturing mother, but she's hard on Tuck. That mm-hmm. was, that situation he's talking about, I remember, it was intense. Yeah, mm. and she and she dealt with it the right way, mm. and it more so. The coolest part about that was after the fact, um, in in the middle of it, it was all hard and tough for me, and and kind of. I had some some anger towards the whole situation, but after the fact, looking back and seeing the fact that oh no, she really loved me and she wanted what was best for me as far as mm. my personal walk with the Lord and and what she knew was going to actually bring satisfaction to my life mm. because that's not what I had at that moment. Mm. Um, I bet she was praying for you like crazy too. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of times when there's finally that conversation you have with your kid, the hard one. Mm-hmm. They don't, it may be a 20 minute conversation, but there's probably yep. been days and weeks of prayer. <laughs> like, how am I going to deal with this? God help me. Yep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I feel like that was my come to Jesus moment. Mm. If there was one big, as far as my personal pursuit of holiness and walk with the Lord, that was probably my biggest come to Jesus time period moment mm. where it was like, okay, I'm doing stuff really wrong. Mm. I'm going to have to figure out. If I'm gonna grow up and be a godly man, like this, I'm, this is not cutting it. I'm gonna figure out. Mm. I have to figure out what what's right. Um, I'm glad that, you brought that up, man, because mm-hmm. I was thinking how so many times I'm. It's easy for me to do this with a men's podcast, like mm-hmm. the spiritual formation of Tuck. Who are the men? Yeah. And yet, here's mom who's like, I'm trying to raise a man. Yep. I've got my husband, but I want him to be a man. And I I sense from her when I've been around her. If you were seriously wounded, she's there. She's going to mm-hmm. take care of you. But she's also, there's a point where she's going to be like, get it together. Yep. Let's that's go. Right. <laughs> yep. And that's yeah. what she did. And it kicked me into place. Mm. It was exactly what I needed. But that was, I feel like that was a point really where I started to, to take my faith and it, it started to be my own. I started to pursue the Lord mm. how I should have. Um, and that was a tough process because even though I'd been a believer for years at that point, 
I felt like I was really kind of starting at ground zero. Mm. But in that same sense, it, it kind of made the whole thing even more beautiful as far as getting to know the Lord on a personal level. Um, and it just, through that second semester of freshman year and then sophomore leading into, you know, um, the big decisions that come with college and, and stuff like that, it, it really, that time grew me as a man and, and helped me to, 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 you know, just pursue the Lord through, mm. through a lot of tough times. Um, and, and just to understand the sovereignty of the Lord That's and good. the whole thing. Do you feel like after that experience, that maybe was instrumental in you starting to figure out, like, I'm going to go all in with football. I really mm -hmm. want to uh, – I want to play college ball. I don't want to just be on the team. Mm -hmm. I want to be good. I want to be the best I can be. Like, what what led to that, man? Yeah. Um, so – when I made that decision, my, my, I mean, both my parents were hoopers, so. Um, what do you all, mean by that? They, they, they played basketball in college, so. Oh, I got you know, it, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a football player. Both of my parents played basketball in college, so um, all growing up, I thought, I, I'm going to play basketball in college, you know. That's what my parents did. That's what I'm That's what do. I remember you doing. Mm -hmm. Like when I, I also, you were on the zero turn a lot as a kid. Mm -hmm. I saw that, but yep. you'd see you on the court. Yep. Okay, yeah. go ahead. And obviously, you know, we got a court here at yeah. Snowbird, and so I was just down there 24-7 all growing up. That's what I thought I was going to do. Um, and when I came to the, the realization that, um, number one, I think I can exceed and go farther in football and basketball, and, and two, I feel like this is what the Lord's called me to. It was really simple. I just went to a camp just for fun with one of my buddies who wanted to play college football. Um, what year was this? this so this would have been – the spring of my sophomore, the spring of my sophomore year. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> and were you still playing at this point at the public school? Because I yep. know you transferred so, out. So I was still playing um, at Andrews, little little public school mm -hmm. here in Andrews, North Carolina. Um, I, and I and I was still playing football and basketball, two sports. Um, and I was not focused on football. I just decided, you know, I'm gonna go to this camp just for fun, <laughs> see how it goes. And I ended up doing well, and, and it was kind of a moment where I started to pray about it, and this was a, something that I had multiple conversations with my dad about. Um, and, and we kind of made the decision together because when you pursue something like that, it, it takes more than just the kid, and, and you know, <laughs> especially coming from a, a place like Andrews where I'm not going to be able to get all this college exposure. Yeah, parents um, got to be all in. Yep, man. that's yeah. right. It takes it. It took my dad being a hundred percent. All right, let's do it. Let let's go. Let's do this thing. Um, but I made that decision sophomore spring of sophomore year. Was um, there someone at that camp that you saw that you were just like, I want it? Or yeah, there was Coach Prime was there. Yeah, there was -uh, Prime time. Yeah, um, yeah, that he was there. I went. It was I went Under to like, Yeah, I went to a few camps, um, and Coach Prime. Coach Prime was there at one of them. Um, but it was, I remember I went to a camp and there was a kid who I, I looked at and he, he was a, a highly recruited kid, um, kind of my height, same type of build, just a little bit bigger, but he was older than me. I was a young kid and I, I looked at, at where he was at and I was, you know, as a man, I was, I was just, I asked myself like, can I get there? Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I think I could be better than him. Mm. Um, and from then, that was kind of something that lit a spark in me. 
Um, that's not when I decided, but it took, you know, a few months of praying and, and just thinking about it. And I was like, nah, I want to, mm. I feel like I can do this for real. Yeah. I want to see how, you know, how good I can, how good, how far I can, I can go in this because in all reality, I started to understand that, like, I feel like the Lord gifted me with the ability to do this at a high level. Mm. Um, and so. Yeah, you were fast. Yep. I yeah. made that decision. Um Made that decision, and then from then, I still played other sports. I can, I mean, I, I played basketball, competed in track, but from then on, it was like my my mind, my mental focus, and my training that was towards okay, what do I have to do to get to the next level? Mm. Um, so just being around that environment at the camp, you see some dudes that are like on this other level, and yep. that that also mm. pushes you, or you're like, why, exactly. why couldn't I do that? Yep. Yeah, I think that's crucial, like not just with athletics, but I've even been around certain dudes spiritually that uh, I've got to get myself around them. Uh, your dad's one of them, and those guys in my life. And then uh, even some guys that are way smarter than me with business and finances, like I, I need to get around them because mm-hmm. then it just pushes me because I'm like, well, one man can do, another man can do. Like, I just need to learn. Yep, so. that's right. I remember when Tuck went to that camp, <clears throat> I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what he, at that point, he had traveled a lot with an AAU basketball team. And I, my journey, I had, I came to a realization too late that Tuck's my height. We're both 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, and when you're that tall and you're trying to play basketball at the next level, you, that's, there's a lot to overcome. Why is that not tall? No, that's not so. That's six hilarious. two, six three. That's that's a point guard, and 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 so, you know, you're limited kind of to a backcourt position, which is what Tuck played shooting guard, and I had played. I I played the same thing because you'll just get shut down if you try to come in. Well, I mean, yeah, the average at a Division two program, the average front line, those guys are going to be six six to six eight, and then like, you know, if you're going to go to the a, a Division One program, you know, six eight to six ten, eleven, seven footers. So it's e it like a six two six three wide receiver with the speed that he had. I remember having a conversation with Tuck where, when when he started to go, "Hey, I think I can really do this." And I'm like, two. I remember two things that I don't know if you remember this, but I remember two things that I said to him. Uh, the first one was, "You." It, I think you can go farther in football from a number standpoint because there's 85 scholarships on a Division One power, a Division One program. Now, Division Two, you don't get you get very little money, mm. but at the Division One level, and his goal was to play Division One and particularly Power Five ball, which is SEC, ACC, Big Ten, you know, big big time mm-hmm. ball. And and so there's 85 scholarships on one of those teams where there's 15, 14 or 15 basketball scholarships. Oh, okay, and then also, a six-two, six-three wide receiver—that's that's plenty tall. Mm. That's tall. I mean, the the guys that are making waves in the NFL right now, most of them are are six footers. You know, a lot of those guys: um, Devonte Adams, Devonte Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle. Like these guys, a lot of these guys are are five eleven to six one. And then Tuck had unique speed, and it was obvious. And, and what was crazy is he doesn't look fast. If you watch him in film, mm-hmm. he's got a really long stride. And so I remember having that conversation where I said, I think your chances in the game of football, If I, and I remember saying, I wish somebody would have 
directed me that way. Mm. My dad had been an, a, a standout college football player. He played at Appalachian State. Mm. And but when I got into high school, my brother went and played college football. But I just loved the game of basketball. And my dad was fairly hands-off. He would come to my games, but he didn't give me any instruction. or He just knew I liked to play basketball. He just kind of let me do my thing. And, and I did really well, like really well was not good enough to be a lead at the next level. And, and I remember as a sophomore in college thinking, I should have played football. Mm. And, and so I remember when Tuck came home from that camp, I said, here's the deal. When it's said and done, whatever you want to go after, I'll, I will not hinder you. I'll enable you. So I'll drive as many miles as I need to drive. We'll, we'll go to as many camps as we need to ca- go to. I will not I will not live vicariously through you, but I will also not hinder your, your success. So whatever role I need to play, I'll play it. Whatever money I need to spend, whatever time I need to spend, we'll do it because the potential's there. Now, I think you have to be realistic. A lot of guys think their kid is a next-level kid, oh, yeah. and he's not. You see it so, all the time. So what we did with Tuck was after that first camp, we immediately enrolled him in an Under Armour elite Under Armour camp for underclassmen where we had some guys that I trusted evaluate his performance that day. And those guys called me. One, this one guy called me. He's a, he's a national Under Armour rep. He called me after that and said, hey, he's the real deal. Tuck was a sophomore. And he said, he said he, he can, here's what it's going to take if you're willing to do your part. And, and he's willing to do his part. And I was like, Tuck, Tuck's hard. Tuck's hard. Tuck will be fine. He'll work as hard as you need. Like, he's, at, at, as a 10th grader, he's hard. Mm. Like and you have to be mm-hmm. willing and and dedicated and do what it takes. But as a dad, when you, you say just helping some guys out, talks hard. You're referring to he's tough. Talk, he's he's committed. To, yeah, he work ethic. Grind. You're not, yeah, no, nobody's going to outwork him. Gotcha. Nobody's going to get up earlier. When Tuck's in tenth grade, he's the one. He's the one saying, "Hey, I want to go." Like the he he started in in his senior. I mean, his freshman year in high school. Yeah, let's Basketball. transition into this where we start talking about the grind and mm-hmm. getting from where you were to I'm going to get scholarships are coming yep. in. So chime in with your dad whenever, but keep going, Brody. I well, like what you're saying. So when he was a freshman, he played varsity. They moved him to varsity basketball. And he didn't – his football season got cut short because he broke as his collarbone. As a freshman, he was playing varsity ball? Yeah, so as a freshman in football, he broke his collarbone in the first – in a scrimmage. He didn't get to play. So he had to sit the season out, got healthy – they, they moved him to varsity from day one on basketball. And when that season ended, the day that they got knocked out of the first round of the playoffs, he, the, he, that night he says, hey, I want to go to the gym in the morning. So I had a trainer he was working with, and then I have a basketball background. So at five the next morning as a freshman in high school, he's up with his bag, his backpack, he's ready to go. And we're at the school I set up with the – I could work with the janitor. He would let us in. He got there at 5.30. We're in the gym mm. at 5.30 as a freshman. So he was always driven like that. Where did that, that really, come from, man? Um, I, mean, I just wanted to win. Got it. Like, I just wanted to succeed. I think, you know. Who helped people, you understand that that's what it takes? Um, because some dudes, they, they was, just they don't yeah, know. It was, a, it was a mixture of my dad, and it was also a mixture of experience. Um, there were certain experiences where I was playing against dudes, playing against teams where I didn't play good or I didn't have the success that I wanted to have. Uh, uh, somebody outplayed me, and I was like, oh, okay, well, 
now I know where I'm at. Mm. So let's see if I can get above, you mm. know, wherever that dude's at. Um, and it was, you know, I think there's a fine line between you have to have something inside you that, that is self-driven, mm. but then there's also this determination mm. that just comes with, uh, I'm going to be determined. Mm. You can tell yourself, I'm going to be determined. I'm going to do whatever it takes and then go do that. Mm. Um, and that's just a, a form of discipline. Mm. Um, um, and so. Do you feel like a lot comes natural to you or you really had to work to develop mm. what you have? Um, I feel like early on in my high school career, um, that was more something that I started to learn. Um, it, it wasn't always natural. Mm. Um, there was some form of grit and I'm going to be the best I can be there always. Yeah. Cause but there's that, like, I'm gift, a kid is mm-hmm. gifted, but there's still that work ethic to develop skill. Yep. That's yeah. exactly right. Okay. Um, that's something that developed for me. And I, a lot of people, a lot of people, especially with, my speed think that that's something I always had. And I was a, I was a, a fast, faster kid, but people don't realize the, the work that I put in just, just to, to get fast. Like that's a, that's a very specific one dimensional area of, of a game that, you know, if a kid can play, you may not need speed as much, Yeah. but I what were to, you doing? What kind of stuff is the grind to get yeah. fast? Because that's so, definitely not my area. Yeah. So I would, when I was uh, really between, like, again, when I decided I'm, I want to play college football, between that sophomore and junior, going into my junior year, that whole summer, um, that whole spring and off season, I would drive. There was two trainers I would train with. Um, I would drive twice a week to Asheville, which is about an hour and a half. Yeah, I just came from there. That's yep. a good drive. So I would drive twice a week, go there, train with a, a, a speed trainer. Um, and then I would drive on Saturday and sometimes back-to-back Sunday as well to um, Gainesville, Georgia, oh, wow. which is two hours. Mm. Um, I would drive and I would train with a guy there. So I mm. was driving all the time, doing whatever it took. I was like, I'm, I'm going to get faster. And those trainers are usually like, we're going to train, but here's what you need to go do when you're back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was always something that was on my mind. And obviously I was training, Mm. trying to get bigger, faster on my own as well. But um, it was just, again, the discipline and the determination. um, It's pretty simple. If if you're disciplined, then there's not many things that that you can't overcome, you can't be, you can't get better Mm. at. Um, I like it. Yeah. Discipline leads to a lot of success. Mm. Um, But yeah, and I think, you know, I don't, when I look back on that time of development where I became uh, good enough to get scholarships, good enough to, you know, talk to coaches, I don't really like to focus in on, on certain times where I was training, certain things that I was doing. But I remember the, the thing that I'll always remember personally mm-hmm. um, and, and just to remember, like, what I came from, what type of hard work it took to get where I'm at is I would – I would obviously I was lifting. I was lifting weights every every day, um, trying to get better. But in Andrews, like this is a, you know this is small town. Yeah, there's right. not a lot of resources here. And I actually played quarterback at, at my high school where I wanted to play wide receiver in college. Mm. So I would go three times a week to the field, um, and I knew that my route running had to get better. So I would just run routes 
and there would be nobody else out there. So I was not catching a single ball because there's nobody that could throw me a football. Wow. Um, and and, that and sucks. so yeah, I would literally go out there for hours, run routes. I mean, I'm talking, you know, sprint my sprint my butt off, doing a hundred percent. Yeah. And just I would act like I would catch a ball, mm. um, but I'm the only person out there. Mm. Um, and that's kind of I I look back to that a lot and think, okay, like I did that, and with the resources I have now, like I can be successful. Mm. You know. Um, and then your parents, and you reached a point where you realized it would be better to transfer out to a different yep. school. Tell so us about this, that. This happened. Really, this is the craziness of the Lord's sovereignty, and this is something that I'll always look back to, and it'll just blow my mind because if it wasn't for the Lord's sovereignty and wasn't for my parents and my trust and the Lord's plan and just overall um, like sovereignty, I keep, always come back to that yeah. word because I, I, I like learned, that word. I learned what the Lord's sovereignty was in this in this time. Awesome. Um, because you can talk about it, but until you have an experience, you really don't understand it um, in the same way you can. But um, and so I played my junior year here at Andrews. Here at Andrews okay. as a quarterback, and then going into what would have been my senior year, uh, COVID. COVID hits. Oh, that's right. Yep. So COVID hits and it's looking like, first of all, my team here at Andrews is not even going to have a season. Um, and if anything, it'll be in the spring, which by then recruiting will be over. There'll be nobody's mm. going to be one of the kid that's playing in the that's spring. Right. Now that you're saying this, I can remember your dad telling mm -hmm. me this. Go yep. ahead. And then also my way, I was going to get recruited through, I'm just going to go to camps as a wide receiver and show coaches that I can play because I played quarterback in high school. All those get canceled. So okay. now I'm left with, okay, I have a possibility of playing one spring season with a shortened uh, schedule anyways, and recruiting is pretty much going to be over at that point. Um, and so I had to make that decision kind of, you know, I'd already made the decision I want to play division one, but I had to make the decision again, like, okay, do I really want to play division one, like power five or because really my options are transfer, reclassify, go somewhere else or walk on somewhere. Mm. Um, that's pretty much my options right now. I forgot about all this. Mm -hmm. Like when you are bringing up the COVID thing and seasons canceling, like I can remember your dad saying yep. those kind of things to me and what was going down and how frustrating it was. And I was like, how is this going to work now? Yep, exactly. So then how did it things pan out with this other school? Mm -hmm. So we had, um, there's a period of time where, I mean, we were in constant prayer of what to do. And um, I think, you know, you can talk more on, how the whole Raven Gap thing happened real quick. But, um, yeah, it was just the Lord's sovereignty. We were looking faith. at faith. Yeah, we were looking at options because uh, it was it was looking more and more like there was going to be no season in North Carolina. And if there was going to be one, it was going to be second semester. And, and it was going to be a limited season to conference games only, which would have been six or seven games. And colleges would have already... By the end, so the way the college recruiting cycle works is the bigger, better programs typically get commitments from kids earlier. So your spring of your junior year 
and the summer before your senior year, that's kind of the the window when most kids are going to commit. And what that means is they're going to verbally commit to the program. And then the the first signing day is December of your senior year. Mm -hmm. So you can sign in December or February of your senior year. And the, the December date was our target because if you sign in December, if you have enough credits to graduate early, then you sign in December of your senior year and then you can early enroll and go through the winter program and the spring ball program, spring spring training. At the at, at, So like for Tuck at Virginia Tech, if he could get there in January, he would have a semester under his belt before the first season. Mm. And so all of your big, big recruiting takes, there's so many NCAA regulations. Your sophomore to junior year, you can't, you can't go on like official visits. There's just, so the spring and summer of your junior year is critical. Well, COVID, the NCAA basically got, got put on pause. They weren't allowed to recruit in, a, in a, the way they had typically recruited. So we had several recruiting visits lined up for the spring of Tuck's junior year a couple things were tough. One, he was having to play quarterback in a triple option offense um, at, a, at a small high school, and he needed to, to be a receiver. So he's going to camps as a receiver, but then in, on Friday nights he's playing quarterback because typically in a small program they're going to put the best athlete at quarterback. Yeah. And and then how do you develop a highlight reel off of that? Yeah, so we're, we're, we were literally <laughs> – we'd go out and – and take a camera from here at camp. We'd take one of our media guys and go out, and I would throw balls to Tuck while he would run routes, and we would make homemade route running videos. Does he suck as a quarterback? Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely not the same as even yeah. a good high school quarterback. But yeah, um, yeah so we we're made, you're doing the best you did, can, though, we man. Did. We worked with what we had. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, I got a a forty something year old arm. Yeah. It used to be decent. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm just messing with you. And then so no, but so what we end up doing, it's funny, what we end up doing is going, okay, I can't throw him any deep balls, he's too fast. So then we but we got a couple of ex D one quarterbacks and they couldn't throw him the ball because he's out running the guys guys would misinterpret his speed. So we're trying to make a homemade video. I got this guy that was a quarterback at Western Carolina. Um, he's probably late twenties, and we go out to try to film. To, and the guy keeps under throwing Tuck, and because Tuck's so much faster than he looks, yeah. So we're just, but we're just making homemade videos, yeah. And and so finally, it's like we're talking to, we were talking to the wide receiver coach at a really elite Division One program who has won national championships in the last ten years. And the guy says, man, Tuck's got a lot going for him, but I have no game film of him playing wide receiver. Mm. And he definitely, we don't want him as a quarterback. And Because he, he wasn't a Division One quarterback. It's not what, he's in the wrong position. You know, it's not his thing. And so we, we lost those recruiting visits where he was being recruited as an athlete. That's a thing where they'll recruit you not for a position, but as a general athlete, mm-hmm. and they might use you as a as a cornerback or as a receiver or yeah. whatever. And so then we lost all those visits. The NCAA said nope, no, no visits. And those weren't even official visits. Those were like ju- what they call a junior day, where you go in and you kind of showcase. It's like an elite camp for that program, and you get to kind of hobnob with with the program and they so watch you work out. So it's more than just out. Tuck coming in. There's others. there'd be a bunch of other yeah. kids there. So then 
the the way the Raven Gap thing came about is I started. Raven Gap is the private school. The private school. So he was graduating. Yeah. So he was at Andrews High School, the local high school where he'd grown up playing. And so I started looking at programs near us that were going to have a season. It was already, it had already been, this is the summer after his junior year, the summer when he would have been doing these visits, the summer when most kids in his class are committing because they already had their offers. Tuck didn't have any offers. Mm -hmm. So you got to get an offer from a program. They offer you a full scholarship and now you can decide if you want to go to that program or not. Mm -hmm. And Tuck had no offers, and then we lost those junior days. We felt like he'd get some offers coming off of those. We were going to App State, Clemson, Western Carolina, Liberty. It was a hodgepodge. Yeah. We lost all of those. So then we were going to do one a weekend. So we went to a, a training facility in Fort Lauderdale called XPE Sports that spring. They trained pro players to get them ready for the draft. Uh, they play. They train college players to get them ready for the draft, and then pro players in the off season. It's a speed development place, and so. Well, how did a high school kid get there? Because he had done well at the Under Armour camp. Okay. And a connection through XP. He was like, "You need to come down here and train for a couple of days and get evaluated." <clears throat> and so, coming out of that, that was another confidence builder. Where it's like, "Yeah, he, I can, I can do this." You know, for mm-hmm. talk. Yeah, I can do this. I can play at the next level. So then. Um, I called the guy from that pro that we had trained with, and I said, okay, here's our dilemma. North Carolina may not even have a season. Tuck has no offers. He's going into his senior year. So what you end up dealing with is if you don't have offers your senior year, then you're looking at FCS programs at best. So that would be Western Carolina, Elon, Gardner-Webb. These yeah. are smaller programs. Wofford, so, which is nothing wrong. It's good ball, but it's not what Tuck's goal was. And so then you got to go – perform your senior year to get those offers well we weren't going to have a senior year if we were it's going to be in the spring everything was just crazy with COVID so I looked at three we talked about it and I started looking at programs and Rabin Gap was a program in Georgia and they were going to have a season and then another program in Georgia and another one in North Carolina so North Carolina's independent school division was going to play and that's all your big prep schools that a lot of division one players come out of boarding schools prep schools and long story short, the the Lord opened the door for him to go to Raven Gap. We we is Raven Gap, Georgia. You said, yeah, it's an hour and fifteen minutes from here. Okay, and we drove over there and met with. The, they had just hired a new coach from a place called IMG Academy. That was his background, which is really elite. And he already was aware of Tuck, had seen his film, knew who Tuck was, and he was he was quick to say, "Yeah, we'd love to have you." And but it's but then it's a it's a. $40,000 a year school. So we need financial aid to get him in there. And the Lord opened the door. We applied for, I applied for a scholarship. Um, we, we got 80 something percent of that wow. covered in a scholarship, an academic scholarship. That's crazy. Yep. So that's, you know, Tuck's diligence in the classroom paid off. And, uh, so he was able to go and, and, you know, it cost us, I don't know, four or $5,000 yeah. for that year to get him there. And, but, long-term investment worth it but yeah. then you got to do your part you're gonna have to commute because it's a boarding school but to be a boarding student the price goes up twenty thousand a year oh man. and they don't have space and it's a covid year so if you board you can't leave campus so you're going to drive back and forth you know all this is happening in about a two-week window are we going to pull the trigger are you going to do this and uh, tuck made the decision to do it and so that fault but but in order to do it he reclassed. He went back to 
Um, dang it. I, I got to go get Mo. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, bro. He's got uh, Mo is uh, one of his kids, and he, mm-hmm. I think he forgot he's got to pick him <laughs> up at school. That's all right. I'll yeah. tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a uh, quick break. I'm going to go refill my coffee, go to the bathroom, and then we're going to pick up the story. All right, sounds good. All right, we're back. Brody is still uh, picking up uh, Mo, one of, the, one of his kids from school, because he forgot that's going to go real, over real well with mom. But we were talking about you getting into Raven Gap in Georgia, making that hour and a half drive. Yep. It's a new private school. And you were saying to me uh, before we hit the record button, like, this all had to happen, like, quick. Mm-hmm. I was like, you got to get school uniforms and everything. And you were just thrown right into the midst of this private school. Yep. Pick up there, man. Yeah, so I think, you know, that's another stage in my life, especially in this journey of I want to play college football, where it was a this is what it's going to take mentality. Um, and so we knew, mm-hmm. you know, if I want to play big-time college football, if I want to be really successful in this area of my life, which I feel personally is what God's called me to, mm-hmm. then I've got to do this, and this is what's necessary, you know. Um, what, what time in the morning we talking about you getting up? Yeah, so, you know, hour and 15-minute drive to school and back every day. Um, luckily, private school, we started a little bit later. Okay. Um, so I wasn't waking up crazy early unless, like, there was multiple times where I would – lift before school mm. and then I'm waking up at like four mm. but uh, most of the year I'm waking up you know 6 30 nothing crazy 6 30 gotcha. eating breakfast getting changed would you lift here or lift at school um I lift at school gotcha yeah so um that was another part of the reason you know we made that move is resources things like that just it was awesome yeah it was yeah. it was a you know Whole new level. A step above, and yeah. that's what I needed, you know, that middle step to get to where, you know, I ultimately wanted to go, which was college. Was the team coming in for that too? Yep. So um, it wasn't – that was optional. Most of those morning lifts were optional. Obviously, the team lifts and, like, our, yeah. you know, our PE class, which was just our football team, like our weight weightlifting class, yeah. you know, that was, you know, mandatory during the day. But – we did have multiple like optional lifts in the morning, um, 6 a.m. lifts, which, you know, there's maybe 20, 30 guys, which is a pretty good group yeah. for, you know, that early and consistently. Is, but, um, yeah, those are, those are the tough ones. Those are the tough mornings for sure when it's yeah. like, okay, I know that I've got to get, I've got to get better. I got to be better. So did that again, school have a strength coach? Mm-hmm, yeah. Wow. They had a strength coach, um, help me develop. It was a big part, big part of my development. But again, it was just a, it was a mindset of, okay, this is what's necessary. Mm. So, you know, this is what we're going to do. Did you feel like once you started getting to that level, you were more intentional about really watching your food intake, diet, fueling up like crazy? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) at that point I knew, you know, I was I'm 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 a slim dude. I'm a skinny dude, mm-hmm. uh, especially even now for a Division One football player. Like I'm a, I'm a skinnier dude, 
Um, and in high school, I was real slim. That was one of the things that, you know, everybody told me, oh, you, you need to, you got to get bigger if you want to play college football, which at the end of the day, that's true. You need to be big and strong, but um, it's not everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's when I really started, like, calorie intake. I, yeah. I had an app on my phone where I was just tracking everything else and taking in I, my my minimum amount of calories daily was 5,000. Like, Are you serious? Yeah, anywhere from 5,000 oh 5, to, like, 55. But I bet you are burning a ton mm-hmm. of calories exactly. just with yep. the training. So yep. now that makes we're sense. we're practicing, we're yeah. training, all that. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like mentioning stuff like that because when we start talking about the grind and what it takes to get to mm-hmm. certain goals, the next level, I don't think a lot of people get what all that entails. Yep. Like the early morning, the hour and a half drive, the parents that are just like, well, my weekend plans are canceled yep. because it's all about helping my kid do this. And then, yeah, like you said, a, a calorie tracker app, man, that's, that's a lot, dude. Mm-hmm. So tell me about high school ball at this new private school versus mm-hmm. where you were playing and what that was doing for you as you get into the season. Um, yep. Was it exciting? Were you like, this is what I wanted? Yep, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was, um, you know, made made the transfer, reclassified, so I had already gone through my junior year. Now I'm getting a second junior year because uh, I reclassified academically and I'm young enough. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yep, so I got you know, a junior and senior year at Raven Gap. And that first year, it was absolutely everything that I wanted it mm. and, and was hoping it would be. Um, Your I'm, quarterback yep. wasn't underthrowing you? No, my quarterbacks, <laughs> I mean, me and my quarterback through every single day, made sure mm. that we were, you know, in sync with each other. <laughs> um, and then, you know. When practice was over, were you like, we got to still oh, yeah. work? Yeah. No, we're, we're out there throwing for an hour. I love practice it. every day. He probably hated you at times. Yeah, sometimes. But he he was the same type of dude as me mentally. Good. Um, he was a he's a gunslinger and he still is. He's one of my best friends today just because of That's awesome. he's got that hard mentality. Cuz um, I've heard that at times. Actually, I heard it about uh who was it? Oh, it was Brady. Uh that some of the receivers were getting annoyed with him because mm-hmm. he was like, "Yo, we got to work yep. work more." And they're like, "Dude, we're tired." Yep. <laughs> now, like that's why I I love that about my high school quarterback. He, in all reality, me and him put in more extra hours than than like I can get college. Most of my mm. my quarterbacks in college too. Mm. Um, not that we don't put in work at college. It was just like we knew what we wanted. Yeah, and you know that's that's what we, what it took. Mm. But um, yeah, that year was everything. It was everything that I could have, you know, expected and dreamed truly dreamed of it being. Um, and that, that was awesome for me to see because there was, it took a lot of faith mm. to, to make that, that decision and make that transfer. Yeah. Cause you don't know how it's going to work nope. out. You're nope. like, I think I'm a receiver. Yep. yep. <laughs> I, exactly. Yeah. And it was, it was, you know, it came down, like I said, to the Lord's sovereignty where I got to, to a point where I, I told the Lord, I was like, all right, trust, I'm going to trust it. You know, this is your plan for my life. I even remember, um, I remember I like wrote myself a note and I even posted it on my Instagram and Mm. I had, I hadn't talked to any coaches at that point. Like this is before the transfer. And I said, I literally said, I am going to play college football. Mm. And I said, I'm going to do that because I, I trusted it's the Lord's will for my life Mm -hmm. and that he's blessed me with the ability because he wants me to use that as a platform 
yeah. for, for his glory, you know? I don't um, think there's anything wrong with that. I think sometimes when something's in your heart, unless it's something sinful, mm-hmm. and you're like, this is what he's given me the ability, yeah. I'm going to go for this. But you always pray like, if it's not, guys, shut the door. I yep, mean, obviously right. he can shut the door, but if not, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Some guys are sitting there going, I don't know what God's will is. I'm yep. like, just step out, man. Yep, that's right. And it, it, it's kind of crazy because until, until those decisions and, and, and uh, moving a Raven Gap, I never really faced a, a decision or a, a scenario where it was like, okay, Lord, show me either mm-hmm. open the door or shut the door. And my dad came to me, and, and another guy in the community came to me, and he was like, hey, man, the Lord's not always going to close or open a door. It's okay. not going to completely, you know, it's not going to completely be one thing or the other because the, Lord, the Lord's going to, as a man, you're going to have decisions that you're going to make. Yeah. You know? And there's going to be obstacles. Yep, so don't exactly. think every obstacle is a closed door either. Yep, yeah. That's right. That's good. And so... That's how I was kind of viewing it at first. Like, oh, man, this is a lot. It's going to take a lot. Maybe this isn't what the Lord wants. And my, my dad and this other dude were like, no, that's not that's not the case. The Lord's giving you an opportunity as a young man now to make more decisions for yourself and then to mm. go to go. And, and as well to, like, that was a decision where either way it wasn't disobeying the Lord. Mm. But it was, okay, I'm going to make this decision and then, in this decision, I'm going to honor the Lord mm. and, and I'm going to give my everything to it because mm. I feel like that's what, you know, he wants for me. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought that up, man. That's like a really crucial point. Like when we're talking about like, God, okay, if you're not in it, close the door, but you got to be really discerning because sometimes what somebody could interpret as that's God closing the door. It's like, no, man, that's God just putting tests and trials and yep. things to toughen you up and get you ready for whatever it's coming whether it's football or with life. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about even that story of Joseph where it's like uh, um, his success didn't come easy. Like he was successful yep. and God showed favor on him, but it wasn't smooth sailing mm-hmm. to get where he got. And so it sounds like with you, kind of similar, it wasn't smooth sailing. It was hard. And there were things that make you question yep. and be like, okay, are you in this, God? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that's what... Again, I'll go back to when my junior year is over and I'm looking back on what's happened. That's when I begin to understand the Lord's sovereignty. Got it. You know, I knew what it was and I'd heard the word. I'd heard people teach about it, but now I'm seeing it play out in my life. Got it. It's like, oh man, you know, okay. Now I can, it just boosted my, my faith and, and my understanding of the Lord's sovereignty and, which led to the future and making decisions as far as college decisions and stuff like that. That's but, good, man. Well, tell me about the your junior year season mm-hmm. versus your senior year season. What started popping your junior year that would have got some colleges looking? Yeah, so. so, you know, I got all my offers between, you know, right after my junior season, that spring semester and end of the summer. Okay. Because, like, my dad talked about, that's that's when the recruiting – process happens so you knew that junior year you had to really perform mm -hmm. okay exactly so um you know performed well my junior year you know played played well it was everything that i what was your season like for the team yeah we uh we lost in the state championship but previous to that that school had never even made it to the state championship oh wow they had never even really made it into like the top 
eight. Mm. Um, and so the year before that, I think they they were under 500. Like, they were – And y'all were playing some heavy hitters, too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we're playing – I mean, any any given night that we're playing, there's probably 15, 20, 30 Division One kids on, mm. on the field at any given – you know, That are going to go yep, D1. That are going to go D1. Daggone. And that's why, that's why I transferred there. I transferred there to play good time, you know, big yeah. time ball and, and play against – division one corners mm. um and obviously that that paid off but yeah so do you make friendships with some of those guys like after you play against them you know that that guy's being heavily recruited and he may like do you, do you guys talk after games yeah. how's that work yeah um obviously as i mean i'm a i'm a competitor yeah and i i mean i hate to lose I yeah hate to lose i know um there's some ego going out yep, there yep. yep so and a lot of them got they don't have God in their life, so it's big ego. Exactly. They don't want to exactly. give props to you at all. Yep, that's right. So, you know, there was a fine line for me. Um, during the season, I didn't talk to nobody. Gotcha. You know, after games, I didn't talk to anybody. It was business. I had one really, really good friend on a team we played. I would talk to him after the game. But, like, other than that, yeah, no, like, yeah, I'm here to win. We're winning the state championship. That's my goal. Yeah. Until the season's over, I, I didn't really talk to any players. During track season, you know, we'd see each other. We'd chat but gotcha um yeah i mean at the end of the day we all got the same goal mm -hmm. so you know there's a there's a common a common goal there but at the same time like i'm a competitor i my my job and my goal what i'm gonna do is is beat you so yeah we didn't talk too much yeah because word will spread too if uh sometimes if they're like oh man talks overly friendly and mm -hmm. that could be perceived as he's soft yep yeah so they need to know I'm about business. Yep. Yeah. That's when right. the season's over, <laughs> yep, that's we right. can hang out. That's exactly how it works. Got it. That's but, good for me to hear, man. Um, then you did offers started coming mm. at the end of your junior year going into the spring where there's some schools that you were just like, man, I can't believe they're, they're calling me. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, you know, to get to the point of my first, like my first offer, was meant a lot more to me than it, than it means to a lot of people who get recruited. You know, okay. I had a lot of teammates who who got offers, but it was like they didn't they didn't get there the same way I did. Yeah. So I remember like crying. I got my first offer, and it was from Air Force. Like it, it you know, it wasn't a Power Five like yeah, you know, big time school. Yeah. And. And I remember just like breaking down and crying, just thinking about like what it took to get there. That's like, right. It's my first offer. This is years. We're yeah. talking about years and years worth of work put in just yeah. in this one moment. Um, but yeah, there was there was a few times where, you know, like I got to talk to to Clemson. Clemson recruited me some, and <laughs> that was like my that was my moment of. Yeah, like okay. is that while that that was while that uh, what's his name the blonde hair quarterback he was still Trevor Lawrence yeah he was still playing yeah he was Clemson. still playing then yeah um, that's big Clemson football man yeah it's it, elite that was that was that was one of those moments for for me and they didn't end up, they they ended up not offering me because they had already offered multiple kids in my class and and those kids ended up committing so yeah you know you don't offer more kids than you have spaces for but yeah. Um, for me, I took every conversation with a college coach seriously mm. where, you know, a lot of bigger recruits, they don't really care about the smaller schools. Um, 
but for me, it it meant more just mm. just to get recruited. Like I never lost the value of that because of how how much I prayed for it, prayed yeah. and worked for that. Um, I think it's good to to walk humbly like that mm-hmm. and also walk very grateful. Yep. Um, and if you would have been arrogant and possibly acted like you, it was no big deal that maybe this lesser school called you and, man, something happens, you may yep. have burned a bridge, man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I got offered from, like, pretty much all the military institutions and, yeah. and the Ivy League schools. That's awesome. And, and, and where most people would have been like, ah, like, why are you even talking to them? Yeah. It was like, nah. Like, are you honor society in high school? Yes. Yes. Wow. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, there's no way those Ivy Leagues are looking at you. Yeah. Unless no, your grades had, are up. Yeah. I had an offer from Harvard, um, Yale. Uh, I can't even spell Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Multi- mul- but multiple of those schools. So that was Sweet. like a, that was a cool accomplishment in itself. Just yeah. being able to be recruited by them. You know. That's crazy. Because it's like. I'm not knocking at all, like, where you come from. I love where you come oh, yeah. from, and that's what makes the story so great. But this is, like, podunk, redneck, hillbilly mountains up in here. That's right. And it's, like, Harvard, you know, like, hey, Tuck, want to talk? <laughs> crazy, Pretty man. crazy. Yeah. All right, so then uh, you finally got to make some kind of a verbal, and mm-hmm. you chose Virginia Tech. Yep. What was some of the factors with that? Was it... You had gone on a visit. Um, was it something you felt like God was in? Was it a person, a coach, teammates? Um, what, what went into mm-hmm. that, man? Um, well, first of all, what's crazy about the, the whole commitment story for me is I committed in the summer Okay. Uh, between my junior and senior year. All right. I committed. I set a date, and I, I pretty much stuck to it early uh, July. And I, I committed, and then mid-season, the entire coaching staff got fired. Um, at Tech? Yep, at Tech. And so I pretty much had to go through the whole thing twice. Uh, I never decommitted, but I opened up my recruitment. I talked to a lot, a lot of schools. And when it came to I'm sure signing, it scared you, man. Oh, yeah. It was that, so that's another stage in my life where... That's where what I, we were talking about, is guy yep. closing a door. Yep, yeah, that's okay. right. I could have taken that, and I could have been like, mm. "Oh, this is the Lord, the Lord telling me, mm. you know, this isn't for me." Mm. Um, it's another obstacle, man. Yeah, but but anyway, so kind of go back to the start of it, and then just kind of walk through it real quick. Yeah. So, what's crazy is I took a trip in the spring of my junior year with a lot of my teammates. This is still during COVID, so the, there's no recruiting going on as far as coaches interacting with players. Well, we go around and we see like 12 schools in like five days. Um, we're just driving all over the place just because a lot of these kids that I played with um, hadn't, hadn't been on visits. So we're mm. just getting out to try to see schools at least. Um, and we go to Virginia Tech. I'd never talked to a single coach from Virginia Tech. I'd never seen the place, never, um, I've never even looked it up. Like I wasn't even sure where it was on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go there. And I remember we got back from that trip, and I told my parents, I was like, dude, Virginia Tech was nice. Like, mm. I could see myself going there. Mm. And at this point, like, no interaction with the coaches. Mm. And I was already being recruited. Yeah, Blacksburg's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember I, I remember telling my, my parents and in my head being like, if I get an offer from there, like, I think I might go there because I'm already feeling like the Lord's pointing me there, and I haven't even been recruited by them at all. Mm-hmm. 
So it was pretty cool. Um, that happened, and then probably a month later, it would have been, I get offered from Virginia Tech. Mm. Um, and from then on, they were a front runner for me. There was a few schools that were just the whole time. Um, but I take my visits. Like what were the, what Virginia Tech, give me two others yeah. that you were seriously so, considering? So at first, um, at first, when I committed in the summer, my top two were Virginia Tech and Iowa State. I thought that was, yep. yeah. Um, and I only have good things to say about Iowa State. That's when mm-hmm. Brock Purdy was there. Brock yeah. Purdy is the man. Yeah. Um, like, you talk I, about someone who loves the Lord and who made a massive impact for the Lord in college. Like, wow. look at what that dude's impact uh, did at Iowa State. And, like, mm. it, it's still And they're just tough, man. Yep. That's a tough program. Um, but anyways, that was my top two then. And then I had a when – the, when the coach got fired and everything happened, I, I opened my recruitment up some. And I ended up when, on signing day choosing between Tech, uh, Virginia Tech, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee. Those were mm. kind of three schools I was talking to at the end. Um, but, yeah, that first time, it, it just felt like home. Um, mm. And, you know, Blacksburg is a lot like – a lot like where I'm from. Yeah. A lot like Andrews is, is still yep. kind of mountains, rural, yep. um, not big city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, when it came to my college decision, you know, it, people kept telling me, all right, well, where, where would you go if it wasn't for football? And, like, every time someone asked me that question, it was Virginia Tech. Yeah. I felt like I could, I could be a student here. Mm-hmm. I could live here. Like, this is what feels the most comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. So I've I mean, only been there once and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful area. Great people. Um, you know what else would have made the decision for me is the fact that they come out to enter Sam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Dude, as there's on. no, there's not a, a college entrance that's more electric than enter Sam. I agree. There's nothing like yeah. it. I've been, I trust me. Like I went through the recruiting process. I went to other games, game day visits. There's nothing that, yeah. That there's nothing there really. Like, and when that first players. game came after COVID, mm-hmm. that was freaking electric. Oh, man. Everybody was in yep. there, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to jump through the TV screen. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So I made my commitment. Um, I loved the coaching staff. Everything was great. Uh, no complaints. Loved it. Came down to it. Trusted the Lord in that decision. It was tough, but made the decision committed. I was locked in. Uh, mid-season, I'm playing in my senior my senior year. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the season. Coaching staff gets fired. All The entire coaching staff gets fired. Is that because they were coming off a bad season? Yeah, they had... They had been there under um, that head coach for like five or six years yeah. at that point. They they weren't doing bad, but they just weren't trending. In, and they cleaned the house like yeah, everybody. They, yeah, everybody. They only kept uh, two coaches. Dag on. 
Um, and those coaches were, they're like Hall of Fame coaches, mm-hmm. or Hall of Fame players at Virginia Tech. So, gotcha. you know, they, they wanted them there. Um, but anyway, so coaching staff gets fired. Um, and it's like, oh, man, okay, what now? Like, what is this going to look like? I, I'm supposed to sign my national letter of intent, which means once I sign that, like, I, I can't back out of that. I'm supposed to sign that in, like, two weeks. And there's, Are you worried, like, do these guys even want me? Because yeah. they didn't know. Yeah, well, or are they just like, oh, we got to inherit him? Exactly. So they – Brody's back with us, y'all. He's hey, in man. the house. Man, that's my bad. I'm sorry. You're doing the dad thing. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just lost – I don't know if people know if this has come up in y'all's conversation, but Tuck is one of six kids. So he's number two, oldest boy, but number two and. The youngest one's 10. I just yeah. had to go to school to get Mo. <laughs> yeah, it's like a herd over at your house, man. Yeah. So, all right, go ahead, man. So the new coaching staff, yeah. you're so, feeling a little bit worried. Yeah, and, and when it when it comes down to National Signing Day, at that point, they Virginia Tech only has the head coach, um, the defensive coordinator, uh, the linebackers coach, and then the running backs coach on staff no offensive coordinator they don't have an offensive coordinator there's no wide receivers coach wow. so like i'm i was worried about that you know yeah um where was that head coach coming from he came from penn state coach okay. brent pry so he was the defensive coordinator there okay um been there for a while um yeah so he gets you know it comes down to national signing day and and in all reality like looking back on this again this is just a an example of the lord's sovereignty and you know i'll talk about it now but that was probably the most i would say like i've never really been anxious in my life or or had anxiety yeah. but that was by far the most anxious time of my life like i've never felt felt that way just because because now you don't know if this yeah. is the right decision yep and i'm okay. trying to trust the lord in it but you know there's there's people pulling me every direction i'm um, just trying to figure out what's the best thing for me, but then also, like, what's the Lord's plan? You know, I was trying to figure out, okay, well, does the coaching staff getting fired mean that's the Lord telling me I need to go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Or is that, like we were talking about, just another another trial and another example that mm-hmm. once I get through that, that's going to be, you know, a story that I can tell the Lord's sovereignty, and, you know, that's just a trial that he's yeah. going to grow me through. Yeah, so I'm I have, trying to figure I have out a love-hate relationship with those times because <laughs> yeah. you're just like, God, what, I don't even know which way to go. Yep. You come through it, and you hindsight, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. he was in it. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So anyways, um, these other schools are recruiting me really well. They have full coaching staffs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm getting to know other coaching staffs, getting to know the, the feel of other places. I go on a few a few visits um, and then it comes down to signing day, and I was I was struggling. Like I woke up that morning, I didn't even go to school. I just prayed the entire morning. I was trying to figure out, you know, okay, Lord, just I was I was I was praying. I was like, Lord, please give me a sign. I was walking by like this pond, and I was like, D- do something like yeah. like physical, so that way I know. Um, but anyways, that was just another another example of okay, the Lord's gonna. Are give coaches me this pressuring you? Do they call you? Oh, yeah. and oh my are they, gosh! Are they like, oh, yeah. what are you gonna do, Tug? Oh, yeah. What is it? They're the calling coach. us. They're calling my wife. 
they're calling my brother who's a high school coach, my cousin who's a high school coach. They're calling all of his high school coaches. They're calling high school coaches that Tuck played against. What? Who who really respected Tuck. Everybody's called, the the world of sport is so network and relationship connected. It's crazy. So you got like a coach at a- They call Dollar General? They they called the new head coach at Swain County High School because his brother had coached on staff with the new passing game coordinator at Virginia Tech. They're trying to just cash in any relational connection they've got. Yeah. So it's crazy. Um, And that's another reason it was just- Truly, I feel like the only time I was ever anxious in my life, and not because I didn't trust the Lord, but be, just because I had never been in any type of situation like mm-hmm. that. The first time was nothing like the second time mm-hmm. as far as making that decision. Um, but anyways, so what did it? Was there a yeah, sign? Did a fish did, jump out of the water? There was no, there was not <laughs> a sign. I, I was struggling. It came down to I'm sitting on stage at my school. All my friends who were signing that day were all together. They, they know who they're signing. They got their paper up there. Um, they got their hat for whoever they're committing yeah. to and signing. And I have two. I have uh, – I ended up coming down between Vandy and Virginia Tech. And oh, my, you didn't go with Iowa, huh? Mm-mm. So okay. my coach my coach comes he, – he walks through each player, and he knows that I'm struggling. So he goes through every other player first, and he's like, this is blah, blah, blah. They're committing to – Michigan. They're signing to here today. Wow. You know, goes through what they – into the program, blah, blah, blah. And he gets to me, and he has, like, come down off the podium because I haven't even told him. Like, I don't, I didn't even know. So he comes down off the podium in the middle of the the entire, like. is. Does this happen sometimes? Like, some people don't know until that moment? I mean. You don't know? Yeah, I don't really know. All right. Because it some did people, with you, Some though. people decide to, like. Because they act like their, that, yeah, but I exactly. think they know. I think they usually know. Yeah, but you really did For me, I had, I did not know. I had no clue. Brody, were you like, what the hell are you going to do, man? Well, so the night, yeah, like uh, the day before National Signing Day, at 6.30 in the morning, Little got a call from a VT coach. I got a call from a Vandy coach, Georgia Southern. There were, you know, and then all day our phones were blowing up, and then Tuck spent eight hours on the phone that day. And, and, and there was a point that evening where I said, Tuck, turn your phone off. Stop talking to people. And it's like, just stop, stop. You know, you, you got enough information. Yeah. And that's and not Tuck's personality to be on the phone all day that's right. and all that. That's it right. It had to be annoying. All of us, he's like his mom and I, where we're all, we all require a lot of solitude and, and, and personal time, right. you know. And it's my people. He had spent eight hours on the phone. I had spent probably five hours on the phone. Little had spent two or three hours. His mom spent two or three hours. But that morning when we were driving over to the school for the sign, you've got six athletes up there signing. From the same football team, you've got a Michigan commit, a, a Minnesota commit. There's Tuck. There's a, an edge guy going to Vandy. So that's pulling Tuck towards Vandy. And those guys all knew where they're going. And so um, – we literally, there's a picture of Little and I, we walk down to the stage in the school auditorium. Tuck comes over to the edge of the stage and he's bent down and we're praying. And this is signing ceremony. And I don't know how, I just, I don't know how this was worded, but I remember just saying, hey man, just go with Virginia Tech, was my thought. Because and that didn't necessarily settle him. But I remember the last time he asked me, it, there was, it got to the point where Tuck said, just tell me where to go. 
And that's not like him. He's like, just tell me where to go. And I said, well, there's no clear reason to, we, we walked through all of this last summer when it was down to Iowa State and, and Virginia Tech. And you landed on Virginia Tech. I, there's, I don't see a clear, distinct reason why you should change that now. Mm. And then I think a big part of it, you might have already talked about this, was the culture of Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech football, the town of Blacksburg is way more like Well, he said people. even if there was no football, yeah, he's like, that's that would place. be my school. Yeah, and yeah. That, yeah. And Vanderbilt's like big city, downtown Nashville. It just wasn't the same fit outside of ball, you know. And the Metallica inner Sandman is yeah, a factor, brother. It Dude, it's a factor. there's nothing like a game in Lane That's what we talked about. It's unbelievable. I'm serious. I grew up going to home games at the University of Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. We live 90 miles from Knoxville here. I grew up with – my granddad had season tickets. I grew up going there and going to App State. And App State games are nuts. There is nothing like a Neyland – I mean, like a, a Lane Stadium home game at Well, Blacksburg. even through the TV screen, uh, I believe that. You feel yeah. that watching it. And when I mean, a good thing I didn't show up on that signing day because I would have been like, Tuck, it's real easy. And I'd have cranked it. <laughs> when, he, when he ran that 90-yard punt return back uh, oh, mid-season, the, 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 like the concussion of the crowd, 70,000 people, and everybody's <laughs> – like you could feel it in your chest. It's yeah. nuts. It's yeah. where you want to play as a player. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what happens then? Sad. You're there about to sign. He walked, he walked down off the podium. He comes over to me, and he's like, where are you going? I mean, the whole crowd is there. They're just watching. Like, yeah. It's quiet. And a lot of my class, like all my classmates are in there. They don't know where I'm going because I really didn't know. It, he comes over. He's like, where are you going? And I was like, all right, Lord, I trust you. And I was like, Virginia Tech. Mm. He goes up, announces it. Everybody went crazy because, like, a lot of people didn't know where I was going. Yeah. Um, Did your phone light up all of a sudden? You uh, probably had it turned yeah, off. Yeah, I have my. I didn't even check my phone after I got there. So when does the tech coach find that out? Like, so you- uh, we sign our papers and then we get off the off the stage. The ceremony's kind of over, and I'm first of all, I'm the last person to sign hmm. out of our entire signing class. Um, like everyone at that point has already signed and I'm just struggling. That's why so many, like all the coaches are trying to call me, figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. I have my phone turned off. So I finally call him. Like I call, I FaceTime coach Pry, and like, he has no clue what I'm going to say. I might, I like, he doesn't even know. I FaceTime him. So I'm you like, broke the news to him. Yeah. I broke okay. the news to him. Um, I FaceTime him and I'm like, Hey, just sign. Like I'm coming. Hmm. Like we're committed. Um, I don't know. It was a cool moment, you know. They're all happy. the The whole staff that the whole staff of whatever four coaches was in there. Yeah. And they they were just you know it was happy. It was a good time. My family was there. All my teammates were Is there. Is Coach so. Cry the guy that I saw in the video that when he's like, Tut gets to wear this jersey. Oh yeah, that's him. Yep. Yes, right, yeah, I like yep. that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I like him too. Yeah, something about his spirit. Yep. And his voice. Yeah. Yeah, he's the right type of dude for, for seems, our program where we're trying to go. So. Yeah, he seems like he's a motivator. Yep, he is. That's right. Um, but, yeah, so that was – it was crazy. Yeah. It was and just, so you go off to VT, man, you feel like the training there is at a whole new level, or would mm-hmm. you say not really because I had already been pushing myself at a certain level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, it was a fast turnaround. I signed that letter, and three weeks later I'm at Virginia Tech. That's right. Um, yeah, so, early enrollment. Yep, early enrollment. So, like, I mean, I had no clue where I'm going. Three weeks later, I'm in my dorm room at Virginia Tech Dang trying on. to get ready for 
winter lifts that start, you know, Monday. Yeah. So um, there's definitely a – I think, you know, I'd, I'd push my body. I'd train hard my whole life. Um, but there's – it's definitely a different level. Okay. And I think the biggest part of that is I always train really hard, but for the most part it was by myself or with one or two other people mm. who were like-minded and – uh, other than when I got to Raymond Gap and I had, you know, some teammates who were going the same places and, you know, had the same goals. But I got to Virginia Tech and it's like, you know, we got 50 dudes in a weight room and we're just like, I mean, we're going at it. Yeah. We're busting our, our balls, you yeah. know, because, you know, we all have the same well, goal. Well, every dude to get to that level had to be dudes yep, that were already exactly. busting their balls. Yep. Or you don't get there. Yep, yeah, that's okay. right. So that is the so environment. Was, yeah, it, the environment was the biggest different, the biggest change for me. Mm. Um, and Raven Gap, athletically and physically and, you know, academically prepared me pretty well for that. Mm-hmm. But you, there's, you, can't, you can't fully prepare for, oh, yeah. for that. Um, and I think, you know. Is the weight room incredible there? Yeah, it's incredible. I love it. It's, mm. I, don't, I don't leave the facility. I have, you know. Me and my best friend, we're we're a lot alike, and we usually like during this this entire season. I got to the facility around like nine in the morning, and there's no reason for me really to be there that early. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get there early, and then I'm I'm leaving after practice at like seven, mm. seven or eight, um, and it's just something about like I have a different appreciation for being there because of what it what it took for me to get there, mm-hmm. and so. I'm I'm in there. 24/7. Yeah, I love that. I don't leave the facility. They um, got everything. Like I know it's just stupid, but I I haven't been inside mm-hmm. yep. those kind of facilities. But after a workout or game, if you're just like, dude, I'm feeling sore. I'm hurt. Is it everything mm-hmm. from ice bath to sauna, whatever yep. you would need? Yeah. So I mean, everything we could. That's why I don't leave the facility because everything we need is is there. We have our we have an entire dining hall upstairs um above our locker room above the weight room that's where we eat pretty much all of our meals we have two training tables which is you know any type of protein shake you can make Mm. um or want any type of snack um and then in our in our locker room in the bath like right beside the bathrooms there's ice bath hot tub sauna um steam room all that type of stuff so you don't gotta go nowhere um and then obviously full training training room yeah. To get whatever you need, you know, we got. Yo, every, I need, every, I need this wrap, everything, whatever. Somebody's mm-hmm. there to help you with that. Yep. That's so awesome. That's their, you know, that's their job. Just like our job is to, you know, perform at the highest level. Yep. Their job is to make sure that we can. Yep. Well, when the season started at the beginning of the season, I'm, I thought your dad was telling me he might be a red shirt. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, um, I texted your dad and he's like, hey, I'm on my way to Blacksburg. Tuck's getting in tonight. Yeah. So tell me about the season. What what happened this season? Yep. So it's another another stage of okay, we're gonna trust the Lord in this. Yeah. Just like that's a good like theme. It, it took yeah sovereignty keep, too. Keep coming back to it, the sovereignty of the Lord. And at this point, you know, each stage of life and each stage of making decisions that I've just gotta fully trust in the Lord's plan and his sovereignty, it's cool because now I have these situations where I can look back on my transfer to Radio and Gap, you know, the first time I committed, signing my national letter, 
of intent. Uh, I can look back on all those and, and see where the Lord was sovereign. And so now we get to, you know, the season and it, uh, the goal or the plan is I'm going to redshirt hundred percent. You know, I'm, I'm going to play in the four games, you know, cause if you redshirt, you know, you can still play in four games and okay. still have that extra year of eligibility. So I'm going to, do you get to choose which games? How's that work? Is that um, gotta be a home game? No, nah, not really. They, they were, the coaches really get, gotcha. get to decide that. Um, and they had planned for me to play in the last four of the season because they wanted me to develop the, the best I could and mm. then play those last four. That way they're getting the best, you know, Tucker as far as mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to mid-season and we we are not doing well in the return game as far as, as, far as punt returns. Um, and, you know, that's where I end up getting my – my first playing time for real, but they were just disappointed. They, they, we needed something. Uh, and I had been returning punts, um, and practice pretty much all fall camp and the whole season, even though I wasn't playing, you know, I was a, I was a backup. Um, and so I finally get my chance. They're like, dude, we're, you know, we're tired of, of this. So I, I mean, I come into the team meeting on Sunday and we're, we're preparing to play a game this week. And I, I look up, and I'm like the starter on punt return as a punt returner, and mm. I, they hadn't told me yet. And I, I let me shocked me. <laughs> let me in, in, insert something. Yeah. When he okay, if you know anything about football, like I had one coach say to me because Tuck returned punts in high school, and we're sit there was a college a college scout was at a game sitting beside my wife and I, and he says. He said, "Little's like oh, I can't watch this. She's looking away. Tuck's getting ready to return a punt." And anybody knows football knows it's it's like nobody knows who the punt returner is until he screws up. Mm. All eyes are on that guy. You're watching a ball that's hanging in the air for six or seven seconds. Sometimes you know for sure four or five seconds while the whole team's barreling down on you. That's you got to right. decide: do I catch it? Do I fair catch it? Do I return it? Do I let it go? It's all a field position thing. So it's a mental chess match and a, and high pressure. And I remember this coach saying, "Little, you know." that when punt returners walk down the street, their balls of steel like clank and drag behind them, you know? (laughs) So when he heads off to school, Little's like, the only only thing I just, I don't ever want him returning punts. Like, that's the only thing I don't want him to do. And she's like, and and my wife was an elite, accomplished Division I athlete. Mm -hmm. And so when that Sunday night, you know, when it's like, oh, he's going in, on the next Thursday night, on ESPN, Eight o'clock primetime game against NC State on the road at Carter Finley Stadium, and I looked at my wife and said, "I just got off the phone with Tuck," and I told her that, and mm. she about yeah, <laughs> oh no, out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she freaked out at that game. I remember her telling me she was shaking, and you know, Greg and Kilby, my sister and brother-in-law, were there, and they're like, "Yeah, your mom was freaking out. She yeah. was shaking. She could, she couldn't control herself. She said her legs were just yeah." Um, but anyway, so yeah, so I. I mean, I get the opportunity to to return punts on NC State, and this is like, you know, at this point, we still have, I guess, six, seven, six games left, mm-hmm. um, and I can play in four. And the cool thing was, you know, I, I was nervous, mm-hmm. but there there's a difference. There's a difference between being nervous because you're unprepared, yeah, 
and being nervous because it's just a big stage and it's, oh, yeah. it's a cool opportunity, you know? Yeah. And I knew, I kept, I told myself, I spoke to myself the whole week, like, you're nervous, but that's, that's because it's going to be fun and, and, and you've worked your butt mm-hmm. off to, to do this. Yeah. But I was prepared and I knew I was prepared. I just kept telling myself, like, that's cool. You know how to do prepared. that. You got to reframe yep. it. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Um, so anyways, get to the NC State game, uh, return return punts. I didn't actually re- return any. Just It was like three or four fair catches. Okay. They had a, they had a pretty good punt team, coverage team. Um, but, I mean, I do well. At that point, even I felt comfortable out there, out there, and the coaches the coaches liked it just because even the dude we had out there before, even when he was fair catching, it didn't look – didn't look very natural. They, yeah. You know, they just felt secure with me out there, and they knew I caught hundreds and hundreds of punts throughout, yeah. the, throughout the year. So, People underestimate special teams all the yep, time. Yep. It, it's a game changer if it goes mm-hmm. wrong. Yep. Football is a, a three-phase you know, three game, mm-hmm. special teams, offense, and defense, and everyone is equally important. Mm. But, um, yeah, so I, I return in that game, uh, do well. So they're like, yeah, you're returning the next game, you know. So, um that game is a Georgia Tech game, which is the game I, I, I scored a touchdown. I ended up having a great game. Um, but, yeah, so going into that next week. I, was like, I want to talk about that. That was awesome. Yeah. Like, so Tell me about it, Brody. What happened that game? Uh, yeah, that was that, – that's still like a surreal yeah. a surreal experience because uh, Tuck, that day he had 188 return yards, which was a school record that was a 30-year-old record held by Antonio Freeman, who was a 12-year veteran with the Green Bay Packers, went on to an all-pro NFL career. He's he's legendary status in that program. So beyond the touchdown that game, how so, many good returns? Okay, so the the game, the first punt return, Tuck, Tuck fielded it and, and made maybe a six or eight-yard return, just kind of hit the wedge and got tackled. But then the next return, he had to run the ball down. The guy, the guy had a boot. He was a, he he was a line drive punter, which plays to the into the hands of a good return guy. But it's but if but it's also a hard ball to return because he kicks hard long line drives. So you've got to run the ball down. It's not like you're waiting on it. Okay. So he so the second punt, Tuck has to run it down and basically high point the ball. Anybody knows football? It's like you're going up and getting it over your shoulder. It's a harder ball to catch. And so he runs that ball down. So from where Tuck's standing when the ball is punted, Tuck has to turn and run towards his own goal line and catch the ball over his shoulder. If Tuck doesn't catch it, the problem, one of the problems in the punt return game to that point is guys were letting balls like that go because it's a hard, aggressive play to make. And then we were getting the ball down inside of our 10-yard line and we're starting with terrible field position. because yeah, they'll go down and touch it. They'll go down and touch it yeah. down. So Tuck runs it down catches it, turns around, and makes about a 22-yard 20, return, something like that. Cool. And gets the crowd kind of into it and, and then gives us solid field position at like the 40-yard line. And then the next return, he almost he, – he almost, the same thing happened. He runs that one down, and if he doesn't catch that ball, it goes, it goes to the goal line. They down it on the one, but he runs it down, catches it, and makes like – another 25-yard return and gets us across midfield. Then he has one that he almost breaks for a touchdown. So they get the ball. So at this point, he's got probably 60 yards 
you would think 50 or 60 Tech, yards. Georgia Tech would start figuring it out. Like, yeah. we need to well, they're it. trying to kick it away from him. He's okay. just running the ball down. Like, that guy's booting it left, booting it right. But kicking Tuck's it over, going to the and ball. And he's just chasing the ball down. Mm-hmm. His speed is, is you know, getting him to the ball. So then with a minute and 13 left, they're going to punt and try and pin us down. Tuck's standing on the 10-yard on the line. What's the score? Um, At that point, it would have been 7, seven to 10 or 7 to 14, something like that. You were down? We were up. Okay. We were up one score. Okay. I think it was 13-6. Mm-hmm. And so Tuck fields the ball on the 10 and gets a couple of really good blocks and breaks a 90-yarder and scores a touchdown. That's what I was going to say, the blocks. There was one in particular that really stood out. I don't know who he was, mm-hmm. but he just rocked a guy. Like yeah. It, it would have ended the whole run right mm-hmm. there. And then once he's past that first level, nobody's going to catch him. Yeah. And he's just – he he it's yeah. a he, it's house. I yeah. mean, he housed it. Yeah. And so place is going crazy. So he goes into the half with 140 return yards. <laughs> it's the most in a single half in VT history. And then he goes on to set the record. He has a couple more 20-yard returns. And then even the last play of the game, we're down. We're down by one point. They, they're going to punt the ball with like a minute and – 15 seconds left and so they try to squib kick it away from him so they they punt it over to the sideline tuck runs over grabs it from going out of bounds breaks two tackles makes a couple guys miss gets a 20 yard return and gets it to midfield and puts us in a position to then be able to score and win the game so at that point he's got 188 yards and it's like blowing up that he set the record and then like that week he gets named acc specialist of the week Mm. um goes on and gets ACC names him honorable mention all-conference, and then the PFF ranks him first-team all-conference. Mm. I mean, it just turned the whole season around as a freshman. Yeah. And what was this thing where the coach says, you get to wear a special jersey? What is mm. that? Does yeah. that happen every so, week? There's a jersey they let someone wear? So that is, that's what we call Beamer ball. So the most legendary coach at Virginia Tech was Frank Beamer. Okay. Um, and, you know, he's been retired for a while now. But he really was – the first, the first coach to, to take Virginia Tech to pretty much the top of football, you know, mm-hmm. to where they're planning, contending for a national championship. Mm. Um, and the thing about Frank Beamer what, that everyone knew was how highly he val- valued special teams mm. and, and the way that they approached special teams. Like, no one else played special teams like Virginia Tech did in, mm. in Beamer's days. Um, and everybody knew that. Uh, we're talking about like plant box for returns every game, mm. plant returns for touchdowns every game, you know, stuff like that. It just became common because of the way that they approached it. Mm. Um, and so, number 25, Frank Beamer also played at Virginia Tech and he wore number 25. Oh, wow. Um, and so, that ended up becoming, you know, something that they, they, they kind of turned into an honor for you know, a certain special teams player for each week. They get to wear number 25, and it just resembles Beamer ball and what it means to play special teams at Virginia Tech. Um, Wow. And so, you know, that's one person every game. That's a cool Um, tradition, man. It it is. It's really cool. And, you know, and we take that with, you know, heavy heart because of of the greatness that kind of comes with wearing that number 25 and Mm. all the people who have wore that over the years. but, yeah, so that's what – I got to wear that number 25 jersey that next game against Duke. Um, 
and you know it was just cool. <laughs> I made a few plays on special teams, and it was just it was it was a cool moment being able to wear that and and understand while I'm wearing it like what it stands for. Mm. Um, and, but yeah, it was cool to get honored for that just because of the game I had at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it it was cool because I felt like. And after that, I ended up playing receiver. Got to got to get a lot of reps at wide receiver, which is my main position throughout the the rest of the year. But that was first time. Like, I mean, I've been working my butt off and preparing like I was gonna play every game, yeah. and then just not playing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of wearing on me. And finally, to kind of have that feeling of, you know, I helped the team. Like, I'm actually a factor. Like, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and it, you it you cool. want to know that they know. That yeah. you are a factor, mm-hmm. and now they know. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, you know, before before that game, before the Georgia Tech game, we were averaging like point four three return yards a game, Jeez. and the punt return like mm. per, per 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 punt return like point four three. Sounds like a, a lot of fair catches. Yeah. Mm. So, um, it was cool because you know it gave our team a spark. And yeah. It was just cool. It, cool to it's see. It's uh, a People don't get it, man. Punt return is a ballsy position, like you were saying, yeah. like that one guy was saying, like you've everybody's coming. Yep. Um and everybody wherever you're playing, all those fans are, are watching you yeah. as long as well as every single person who who's watching on TV, like you're getting the ball and everybody knows it, so everybody's watching you. Yeah. I don't I don't get nervous playing wide receiver, but punt returner is something different, you know. Yeah. It's a little bit different. Oh, I bet, dude. That's cool, man. Look, I'll wrap it up. Um Appreciate you letting us go this long, man. Um, at VT, what has really – you mentioned some of it earlier, but what has helped you just spiritually stay on track, stay yeah. focused with everything that's coming at you there? Yeah. So I would say – and it, it's tough being a, a college athlete in a, in a lot of senses as far as being a Christian athlete and, mm. and trying, to, trying to surround yourself with the right people and – because a lot of times you don't really get to choose who you surround yourself with. Yeah. Um, but I talked about it earlier, you know, the first question um, you asked, and I was talking about community. Mm-hmm. And for me growing up with such godly community and, and the right type of fellowship constantly grew me as a believer, and it's, it's become something that I value. And for me at Virginia Tech, it became it became one of those things that going into Virginia Tech, I, I didn't really think that I would need it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew it was going to be important, but the more uh, the more time I was there, the more that the more seasons I went through, spring, mm-hmm. you know, summer, fall, I realized like it's important and it is meant like I make it mandatory for me to have Christian fellowship and community. Yeah. Because I even, I spoke about it once at, I got to speak, you know, I'm one of the junior chaplains at, at our, in our FCA. And cool. I, that's what I chose to spoke about, speak about because yeah. it means so much to me as far as my spiritual walk with the Lord. Um, you know, it, it's not something that just naturally happens. Mm-hmm. You have to seek it out. Um, but seeking out Christian fellowship is, is completely you know, probably the most important part that I've um, come to realize as far as me actually being active in my faith outside of just my personal walk with the Lord and, and mm-hmm. my quiet time. Yeah, because um, I see some people do that where they're like, 
it's it's just my personal faith, and I read my Bible and I pray, yep. and I'm just like, man, that's going to be really hard that's really to maintain hard. right there. Yep. And then I like the fact that you said you have to seek it out. Yep. Because uh, I was talking to one student, I remember, and it was like, well, I went to this one thing and I thought it was weird, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, we don't quit. Yep. Like, I mean, these D1 schools, I'm sure there's a lot of different fellowships you could try to yep. be a part of. So. That's right. Yeah. Most people don't. I think being at a secular college, a lot of people don't realize how much solid Christian fellowship there is. Mm. And you don't realize how much there is until you seek it out. And mm. when I mean seek it out, I mean like you have to work to, to find people. But they're there. But they're there. Yeah. It took me. I and they don't want to be alone either. Exactly. Yeah. It took me kind of what you're saying. I went to multiple college uh ministries like campus ministries mm-hmm. and and there's a few i thought were kind of weird yeah and I was like, cheesy ah, or stupid yeah, yeah. I was like, I, this is not really my scene you know yep. people falling on the ground kind of it's like yep you know overly and, and you know anyways but so brody then, brody falls on the ground yeah. like, <laughs> but it's for the wrong reason but Go ahead. but i didn't quit you know mm-hmm. i kept seeking that out and i've i've been there you know when i when i really started to first find the, the, the fellowship that I'm starting to find out and that I'm ex- like ex- excited mm-hmm. to go back to and look and look forward to, to building because I was That's just cool. starting to really find it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd been there for almost a year at that point when I was starting to find that. Daggone. Um, and it was just multiple college ministries, multiple people where I'm meeting someone and we have a conversation. I'm, I'm realizing like there's, there's good Christian, there's good fellowship here. Yeah. And, and when you're around people like that, it's it's iron sharpens iron, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's that's been something that I've come to realize like I need. Yeah. Um, not that you Definitely. can't walk with the Lord without it, but I need that. Yeah. And so I'm. That's something that I'm gonna seek out, continue to seek out, and mm-hmm. it's only gonna get better. Yeah. You know. And it, it helps you, man. Like it keeps you in check, the accountability, everything. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah. It's every aspect of it. Well, man, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking time to do this. I think it's going to be good. I may split it into a two-part episode. We'll see how that goes. But I did want to just on a personal level say from an outsider, man, uh, I'm really proud of you, Mm -hmm. proud of what you're doing, your work ethic. I'm proud of uh, the way you're trying to honor God. And I want to say, like, everything you've explained, and you keep saying sovereignty, sovereignty, Mm -hmm. trusting God. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's obvious that there's a favor on you, mm-hmm. God's favor. Don't take that for granted. Yes, sir. Man, guard your heart. Dude, freaking guard your heart, especially as things elevate and as there's more attention. Guard that heart. Honor God. Keep living manly um, because it's nothing to take lightly. I mean, I know that you're working your tail off, but everything ultimately comes from him. And yeah. there, were, there were certain doors that opened that you're just like, we know who did it, dude. Yes, sir. So keep getting it done, man. Super proud of you. Brody, really uh, just admire, man, You, uh, what you said way back when you said, Tuck, I will not hinder you. I will not live vicariously through you, but I will do whatever to enable you. Like that right there is worth ending on right there. That's the dad life right there. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, man. All right.
love those guys, Brody and Tuck Holloway. Just freaking beast. Just beast. Couple closing items of Grizz Biz. Number one, please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to the Grizz podcast. Number two, share this episode with a friend or your men's group. Just copy the link, shoot them a text message, and be like, yo, you need to listen to this. This is fire. Number three, support the show. You know, the Grizz podcast is an outreach and narrow trail ministries incorporated, and we would not exist without the support of listeners just like you. So if we're being a blessing to you, be a blessing back to our nonprofit ministry. Even a $10 or $20 monthly donation, that's a big deal, and it helps us keep doing what we're doing. Go to narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, and click on the give page. You can set that up. It's safe, it's secure, and it's easy. Number four, if you'd like to connect with Tucker Holloway on social media, I got it in the show notes. It's Tucker Holloway 1, the numeral 1, Tucker Holloway 1. He's on Instagram and Twitter. I don't know where else he's at, but I know he's there. If you'd like to connect with Brody Holloway, he's on Twitter. I know that. It's Brody Holloway. Just one word, Brody Holloway. Also check out the No Sanity Required podcast that he hosts. It is just good stuff fire i listen to it i'm a subscriber and if you'd like to connect with me on social media i got it in the show notes so you can check it there that's it my brothers get up get after it honor god live manly i'm out I bring the dragons fire.